there was one that I worked on that I, I'm, I was particularly proud of that I put in so much tailoring to the proposal that when we sent it in, they didn't even ask us to come for an interview. They just hired us. So it was, it was one of those, it was one of those uh, moments where I'm like, wow, this, this tailoring really works. Welcome everybody to episode two of the Pursuit Desk. These are our adventures in business development, marketing, and sales enablement. And today we actually have a very special guest who is from Saifarth Shaw, and his name is Sam Shroka. He is currently, his title is proposal manager, but he has an actual, a really, really interesting history as it relates to kind of where his career has gone, having started actually as a, a practicing attorney uh, many years ago. So wanted to take this uh, moment to introduce Sam and, and say hello. Hello, Jason. Uh, it's good to be here. Thank you so much for, for having me on the podcast. I'm happy to be here. So I wanted to talk a little bit about just kind of your your history and kind of your career. You know, it's, it seems like you started um, as an associate several years ago. So what was it? Tell us a little bit about your background, kind of the areas of law that you practice in, and then also how you kind of uh, matured and, and kind of morphed into the business development role. Absolutely. So it's interesting. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but it does seem like it was kind of like a lifetime ago. You know, at the cusp of 2020 entering a new decade, where I was in 2010 was a very different place. So yeah, so I graduated uh, St. John's Law School and, you know, took a job as uh, an associate in um, uh, New York City uh, real estate law firm. I was doing, I was involved heavily with uh, real estate property taxes. So tax certiorari, which involves gathering a lot of financial data from uh, landlords, working with developers, condos, co-op organizations, um, and just basically helping them figure out a way through the, the maze and morass of statutes and regulations of, of New York City uh, and the Department of Finance to try to, and the New York City Tax Commission, of course, uh, try to work their way to, to reduce their, their property taxes. So it was very interesting. I was involved with uh, property tax exemptions and abatements. So, and I moved from there to another firm, did kind of a, a similar thing. I got more involved with uh, DHCR and uh, regulations, you know, how, rent control, rent regulation, which was, um, you know, I guess somewhat interesting. <laughs> the tax also was somewhat interesting. All of it was, was somewhat interesting. I didn't really see my, my career path staying along those lines, you know, doing, you know, sitting there gathering financial data for 30, 40 years. And uh, even when I was there, I still had kind of like, I enjoyed putting on my practice development, business development hat, and, you know, trying to see what I could do on a big picture scale to try to advance the firm's, you know, uh, you know, visuals and try to advance the firm's goals in terms of business development. So I was always trying to, I found myself leaning towards, towards that. Now, did you have a, do you have like a creative background, like a you know, a visual creative type background, or is that just something that you kind of stuck to? It's yeah. So, so, um, I graduated college, uh, you know, poli sci to the LSATs, you know, in 2007 before the, the recession, you know, it's, it's, you know, a surefire path. So I didn't really think too deeply about when I was in college about like my aptitudes and my strengths. And, um, and so I kind of went down the, the law path, like a lot of other people turned around and realized I, you know, it was okay. 
didn't really see like doing it for a very long time. So that, so at that point, kind of like my late twenties, I said, you know, what else is out there? And actually I, I uh, embarked on like a kind of a career course. It was called Pathfinder. Um, and I worked with this gentleman, uh, Anthony Spatafore and, uh, and his company and, you know, took an aptitude test, a, you know, a personality test and worked through many different modules to try to figure myself out and what I'm, you know, good at and, you know, what potential careers, you know, lie in the future. And so this, this, this Pathfinder thing was like a, um, like a Myers-Briggs for, for your kind your of, career. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. Yeah. So one of the, you know, elements was, uh, you know, one of the, the, the types of careers that came up was, you know, marketing and I'm already in the legal field, this kind of field of marketing business development is, you know, legal marketing is burgeoning. I worked, I, I worked alongside like a, a CMO. I didn't really know what that existed in a law firm. <laughs> um, so I was kind of introduced to it. So it was, so it was interesting and um, kind of wet my appetite and I tried to find a job doing that and uh, dove in and I haven't looked back since I, I enjoyed every, every day of it. So then at, um, at, 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 where did you start doing the first marketing? Was that at, at, at bond or was that previously? Uh, bond. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so one of the things that, so, so you were kind of a marketing specialist bond. Now um, I know when we initially met, you know, you were focused a lot on proposals and kind of RFPs. And so what's your mm -hmm. kind of, what's your role in that, that RFP life, life cycle stuff? Right. Bond. Um, I was, it was really great. It was a great opportunity to um, kind of like be involved in a somewhat the firm obviously has been around for more than 120 years, but their, the marketing department was, you know, small and it was great to be part of a small department and you can juggle a lot of different, um, different things. So I was, I was involved with, you know, I kind of led their social media. Um, I led their building their experience database and also their entire, pretty much their full RFP cycle, you know, the, the intake cycle, uh, working with the attorneys that have, you know, brought it in, having the strategic, you know, go, no go meeting. Um, what's our, you know, plan, you know, for the, for the proposal, delegating out, you know, different portions, um, even drafting, you know, elements of it and really kind of heavily, you know, tailoring it and taking it through to, um, to the end and even preparing the, the team if they were going to go on an in-person pitch. So it was really, it was really great. It was a great opportunity. So what were some of the, I think some of the challenges um, that you saw in that role? maybe actually specifically around the proposals and kind of what, what were some of the things that you, you were trying to solve both with your experience database and then kind of the RFP life cycle that you put in place? Right. So I would say a few of the challenges specifically kind of like when it came to, to tailoring the proposal, um, mm -hmm. uh, trying to understand um, what the client actually is in need of. That was, a, that was actually a, a very big challenge because a lot of these companies are, you know, I dealt a lot with public sector um, organizations that they would put out an RFP with not a lot of disclosure on their end about as to what their needs were. So yeah. it would require, so there was, so it was challenging in the sense of when we're having the strategic, you know, uh, meeting, what are the, what are the touch points? What are the pain points for this, 
for this company. And, you know, it would require me kind of, you know, to go in, you know, try to look up if there's anything, you know, trending on, on, you know, on the news sites or trending in the industry yeah. um, and to try to find out, you know, specifically, you know, in a small upstate, you know, New York town, what the, the articles are saying, you know, what the, what the media over there is saying to look at the company's financials and to see, you know, what uh, I can glean, you know, from those. So I would say that was definitely a, a challenge. So it was more about kind of just researching and kind of understanding because it sounds like they were somewhat opaque in terms of the way that they were the asks that were coming to them. So just kind of understanding one, what, what exactly are the services that they're looking for, but then probably you were trying to get to a point where you were able to match up the, the firm's past experience so that you could present that in the proposal. Right. So the first exactly. thing you have to understand what they're looking for. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Because that makes, honestly, like it makes my job easier to know what exactly they're looking for. And it makes the marketing team look better if we can know what they're looking for and pull up exactly, you know, if we have it, you know, narratives that are on point, matters that are on point, matters that involved, uh, you know, the specific, you know, whether it's the court that's, uh, that's, you know, that there's like, that there's a, a litigation taking place in or a, a specific town, you know, board that we've worked with before, um, or even specific, you know, issues, you know, if, uh, if there's a, you know, a, a brownfields issue in, uh, you know, in uh, this certain part of uh, New York State, this is all the experience we have, you know, related to that. So the more specific that the, that the, you know, procurement office at the prospective uh, right. client could be, um, the better, you know, we were able to respond. And so when you, um, so initially you would kind of respond to the pitch or I'm sorry, to the, to the, you'd provide a proposal or a response to the RFP itself. Is that usually, cause kind of what we've seen is it's usually just a kind of like a starting point. Like rarely is it the selection criteria. It's mostly about getting to whether it's in persons or the ability to ask clarifying questions. So is that kind of the, what you were seeing as well? Yes and no. I would say that um, at my prior firm, we and, and I know that there are, that there are firms that don't uh, that don't really do this, but you know we fielded RFPs from well not not a lot of them, but we fielded them from contract websites. The government would put or the municipality would put out an RFP looking for, you know they can be looking for uh, construction services and sometimes you know and legal services. So we would get that in, um, and we would see if we have any contacts. What our you know, possibility of us getting that work. If the decision was a go, then we would, you know, marshal our resources, deliver them in a, you know, an SOQ, and then hopefully get to the next stage. I'll talk about that in a second. But then there's the other ones where we have an ongoing relationship with, let's say, like a pre-existing client or someone in the firm as an attorney has like a relationship, and they'll get an RFP in, and then they'll send it to marketing, and we'll, uh, this is what, uh, you know, a lot of other firms do, uh, and then marketing and the marketing team will will work on the um, on the proposal. But yeah, it's interesting on that end of just getting a, you know, uh, seeing that there's a proposal out there for a specific company or municipality. And there was one that I worked on that I, I'm I was particularly proud of that I put in so much tailoring to the proposal that when we sent it in, they didn't even ask us to come for an interview; they just hired us. 
So it was, it was one of those, it was one of those uh, moments where I'm like, wow, this, this tailoring really works. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. One of the, the things, um, you know, my background is more in, in technology consulting, professional services, but more on the, on the technology side. And, you know, one of the things that we found was there's this kind of growing belief that, hey, if you respond to RFPs, you're already behind. You know, if, if you didn't write the RFP for the client, you know, you're in a, a losing battle. And what we found was that a lot of the times you just have to outwork the competition, right? And you just have to give them something that is is more interesting than the typical response. And one of the things that we liked to do was give our prospects what we called a gift, which was we would do a little bit of work and put that work in the actual proposal or the RFP. In our world, it would be things like a sample architecture or maybe some visual designs of the screens of the software and kind of how it should look. And it has a massive impact um, as it relates not only to getting us to the next stage or next step, but it also puts the competition kind of on notice and almost um, on unstable ground, right? We just kind of leapfrog them because our proposal is so much better. So Absolutely. I mean, the quality of the RFP makes a huge difference. Absolutely. It makes a huge difference. And that's really interesting what you, what you said, the, you know, about the, you know, your work with proposals in terms of screenshotting, you know, the, the different products that you have. Yeah. I think that the more you can, you know, tailor it to the client and the more you can display your own products and resources to the prospect in a visually appealing way, the much better your chances are at, uh, at procuring either the work or, or an interview. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, yeah, visually appealing way as well as a, a consumable way, making sure that the document itself flows and it reads nice. I mean, a lot of the times what we found is that they'll usually look at like the executive summary and they'll go immediately to the fee arrangement or to the pricing table. And then if, if they're not shocked by what's on that page, then they'll kind of go over the proposed team and the architecture, you know, so every single section has to be um, really on point um, for them to, right. to start to drill into, you know, some of the other things. So, yeah, it's interesting. You bring that up that uh, I was at the, the LMA conference, I think it was in 2019. So last year, and, you know, I attended one of the set, one of the, the sessions on proposal writing. And there was uh, the gentleman said that this, this was interesting that really like the highest value real estate, it really is the executive summary and maybe in the page after, obviously the fees is the highest, but, and the page after the executive summary. So, so if you're going to start talking about your team, you know, later on buried in the document, that might not be the place to do it. You might want to bring it up, you know, as close as you can to close to the executive summary. So that's definitely something that's, that's great advice is to, at the end of the day, they're going to be working with, with your team, you know, the process between working with the attorneys and, you know, to bury them, you know, down there. And I know, you know, each firm has its accolades, has its, you know, chambers and has its, uh, you know, best lawyers and super lawyers. Everyone wants to put that up front, but everyone has, it's not necessarily a, you know, a differentiator. Yeah. So the attorneys are, and, you know, the more you can showcase them, also, I think in visually appealing ways, you know, having their, you know, their images up there, even early on, not necessarily in the bios at the very end. We've seen um, great returns for, for that kind of tactic. So one of the things that we hear 
often. Um, you know, really the the challenge with you know, whether it's collecting experience or, um, you know, representing the firm and making sure that, that you understand what the firm's done, uh, you know, kind of in real time, it always comes down to being able to extract that information from the attorneys themselves. So um, I think at your previous firm, you kind of created this experience database where you had thousands of records, I think, or maybe a thousand or something like that kind of, uh, you know, hand-picked records that kind of described the experience. What did you have you learned anything as it relates to whether it's engaging with the attorney, the responsible attorney, mm -hmm. or kind of talking with them? Like, what's been your experience in extracting that information from the attorneys? Yeah, first I would say to anyone who's kind of embarking on that kind of road, it's important to you know before you do it, take it on a on a macro scale to try to under to try to to know that the person you're going to be asking to provide the matter is the actual attorney that worked on the matter not necessarily like the billing attorney who would bring it in but kind of hand it off it's important to to work with the the working attorney you know kind of like early on in my you know career i i the distinctions between those two you know that there was you know different levels weren't wasn't so clear so i had sent out an email blast to all the uh, the responsible attorneys not knowing that you know so i got a few more responses you know from the attorney saying well i didn't really you know, handle this matter it was this and like, oh my, you know, so this, the whole thing kind of like fell through. I should have sent it out to the working attorneys. So yes, yeah, so I would say that's definitely number one. So in terms of extracting the information, you need to be asking the right person. It's probably always, it's probably best to create a culture, I would say, mm -hmm. of, um, of awareness amongst the attorneys. So, and it's really more like a, this takes a little bit more time that the marketing team and the business development team is 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 on board is is pretty much like a there's a partnership relationship with the attorneys mm -hmm. i think at the the bigger firms and and especially at the you know we're talking about you know the big four which there's a lot of fear of you know are they going to be encroaching on our industry in the you know in the future but the the, the business development team and and the the principals work together and the principles, it's not a waste of time in their eyes to, to work together with, uh, with BD um, and to provide them with uh, resources because at the end of the day, BD is revenue generation as well. You know, as the billable, you know, rate, the billable hour rates continue to increase, the more valuable the attorney's time is, the more valuable marketing and business development becomes. So it definitely helps to create that, to create that culture of, um, of responding and not just have it be you know, send an email, you know, randomly to an attorney when you see a matter closed, can you provide or when an RFP comes in? It's good to prepare. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of like have a life cycle of, of that experience, right? So it's not just something that is, it's reactive, it's more kind of proactive and it's just kind of built into the culture where if, you know, after a matter has been open or it's eclipsed a certain number of billable hours, um, you know, maybe that's the time that you start to do the research and start to, to ask the questions, okay, what, it, what exactly are you guys doing in the context of this particular matter and starting to extract that, right? 100% Jason. Mm -hmm. So, so did you, um, did you have kind of a rhythm, whether it was a quarterly rhythm or was it, was it, you know, was it in terms of extracting this, the experience information from the attorneys or was it more, you know, Hey, I want to do kind of a digging in terms of a specific industry experience. And so I kind of uh, more tactically go after and research the experience or did you put a, a process in place that, that was more rhythmic in nature? Yeah. So 
so I guess just to be clear, so whatever I'm kind of saying is going to be is talking about my my work at uh, at Bond, not not Cyfarth. You know, Cyfarth has you know their own process in place, and I I helped uh, you know Bond kind of um, you know work through some of the some of the issues. So I talked about them in um, in generics, but I'd say that um, in terms of gathering the experience, the um, uh, the attorneys when we got an RFP in, that was pretty much. You know, when I first joined Bond, that was uh, that was our method. When RFP came in, yeah. you know, I would you know I would uh, reach out to the attorney. They would provide uh, pertinent matters. Now, kind of fast forward, when I you know attended uh, I think LMA in 2018, you know, met mm-hmm. you and learned about Project Bestman and learned that there was all these you know different technologies that are that are out there um, that can make our jobs a lot easier. I started having you know discussions and you know well. What about it's kind of a conversation I had with with an attorney? What about if we um, kind of prepare in advance, create create a bank of matters, so that when an RFP comes in, marketing can kind of pull together relevant materials based on the based on based on the ask and provide that. So they were so they were a little uh, you know wary of it, say oh do we need to do that? Uh, you know when an RFP comes in, you know it's okay for us to kind of marshal our you know resources at that time. I think, you know, I think that's fine for like, um, you know, a small firm, you know, with like 10 attorneys. Once you're talking about over 100, 200 lawyers you know, with large scale practice areas, I think, you know, it is definitely important to um, to start marshalling your resources and your knowledge beforehand. So how, how big was Bond? How many attorneys were they? 250. Okay. So obviously a much bigger firm that you're, you're with now. I mean, have you seen, you know, dramatic changes, I guess, in terms of, uh, you know, the processes and the tools and kind of the use of technology? Uh, I have, yes. Um, and that was also my intention in switching jobs. Bond is an Amlaw 200 firm and are basically the, the titans of labor and employment law for upstate New York. And beyond what I was saying before, Bond was a forward thinking place overall and we're definitely receptive to new ideas and innovation in terms of aggregating experience and, um, and in giving me the latitude to pursue that with them, uh, which is also what made the experience there uh, so fulfilling and enjoyable. But yeah, I, I was looking to move to a firm, and this was right before the COVID pandemic uh, took off, to a firm within the AMLO 100. And Cyfarth has been perfecting its client service from a legal ops standpoint, really for two decades. And I think ranks second overall in uh, the BTI Innovative Law Firms report. Uh, It's really a great place to work. Also entrepreneurial and heavily forward thinking with great attorneys and a marketing team and uh, with a significant pre-existing investment in in MarTech. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the, you know, sometimes the middle-sized firms, they might not make the technology investments, but once they once they do make a technology investment, they'll start to see that hey, this actually does provide a return, um, and then they kind of start to grow and, and to to expand more into like enterprise search and kind of data warehouses and kind of getting their whole kind of IT infrastructure in place. So it's interesting to see. I mean, probably from your perspective, kind of seeing it, you know, at the kind of middle size and now you know getting into one of the larger firms, kind of the differences between those two. So. So what, um, 
what are your your plans for um, your time there, and and kind of what are your your career aspirations? Are you are you looking to kind of go the the CMO route? I mean, kind of where do you where do you see yourself going? So so I'll talk about that for a little bit. So I'm I'm on you know at Cyforth now. My title is proposal manager. Um, you know, uh, for those who are listening, we're in the midst of the you know kind of COVID pandemic. Um, so. You know, some of my so some of my responsibilities also now include um, you know practice development, which I'm you know kind of frankly happy to be doing that uh, as well. I find it very interesting. In addition to uh, you know to the proposals that I'm doing, and I get to work with um, our uh, policy and government relations group. I help contribute and uh, co-author part of our um, weekly policy matters newsletter. And is that that's client facing? It's client facing, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, internal facing for them to send to their their clients. So, and it's also it's it's pseudo legal. So I'm I'm happy to kind of be part of um, that as well, at least on the you know researching legislation policy, not necessarily legal advice, but you know I've you know always been interested in that. In fact, you know a few years ago, I actually um, volunteered for the uh, New York State Bar Association's real estate section uh, subcommittee on legislation where I did something very similar. I researched, I tracked legislation in the New York State Senate and Assembly to, uh, you know, on, on issues related to real estate and would circulate it to the group for, for any kind of comment. So I'm glad to be, you know, doing that as well and helping the Immigration Compliance and Enforcement Group of CIFAR, um also in practice development, while also being on the national picture proposal team um, as a, as proposal manager. So yeah, I, I'm, you know, happy with the opportunities, uh, that I have and yeah, my, my, uh, I, like I said earlier, like I haven't like, you know, looked back and, you know, hopefully kind of like take this, um, you know, my, my enthusiasm, my love for, for helping attorneys and my love of the law and just, you know, kind of taking that through the lens of marketing and business development to, you know, wherever, you know, my career takes me, but yeah, I would, would love to excel and grow. Awesome. So you're on your pathfinder path. So to speak. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Cool. Well, Sam, I appreciate your time. Um, you know, we really appreciate you sharing some of your insights and some of your experience um, in business development and yeah, I look forward to continuing our conversations and just uh, learning from each other and kind of moving things forward. Sounds good, Jason. All right, Sam. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for, uh, for bringing me on. Absolutely.